Well, it's a privilege to be with you today as we wrap up our Creating Community series. Cooking. Who here likes dabbling in the kitchen? You know, people approach um, dabbling in the kitchen and cooking in a variety of ways. And I guess it depends on whether you feel as though you're chained to the kitchen or whether you're able to come and go as you please. And for some, the kitchen is something that you find on the other side of the fast food counter that minimum wage earners learn the value of being underappreciated and a cog in the consumer wheel. But back to the humble home. Some people follow recipes to the letter, while others use recipes as a guide. For me, on the increasingly rare occasion of, that I have time to spend in the kitchen, I found out that I, I start to um, follow a recipe and I'll, I'll make a meal the first time by following the recipe and making sure I follow it to the letter. But then the next time, I'll dabble and I'll play and I'll adjust the recipe and make some you know, different ingredients and include them in a different way. But unlike smarter chefs and cooks, I rarely, if ever, write down what I've done. So when Mary says to me, hmm, that's the best whatever I've made, and I think to myself, huh, if only I had written down what I did, then I'd be able to remember and do it again sometime. When it comes to the ingredients we use in cooking, to say a cake, we can find that some principles are essential. Now, I'm not sure whether you've ever had one of these experiences that you can see on the screen where you've had a crack at making something and it just never turns out the way it's meant to be in the magazines. And you're thinking, what did I do wrong? For example, if you're making a cake with some form of flour or starch, then a fundamental principle is you will need to apply some form of heat to bake it. Otherwise, you're going to end up eating something that will resemble something more like porridge that will stick to your ribs for weeks to come. So if that's true for baking, what are some of the essential principles and ingredients for creating a community cake? Over the last six weeks, we've taken time to consider some of these ingredients. And while they have value in some measure on their own, when we pull all these ingredients together, they make something attractive to others. Hopefully something that's more to the cake that you see on your left than on your right. It just so happened that last week I received an email from the Urban Development Institute of Australia, because I'm sure you all get those emails from them as well, um, to promote a tour of Melbourne's West for a unique opportunity to learn how investment in the public realm to create people-centred places which celebrate the integration of the natural and built environment to foster greater human interaction. In other words, how to make cities and towns people-friendly that people want to live in. On the tour, people will hear from development directors and project design and delivery partners, including council representatives, about the project drivers, the challenges, the successes, and the key learnings that they have gained. But the reality is that while buildings and spaces can help create community, they can help to facilitate community, unless the residents 
are prepared to do what it takes to build community, then suburbs can quickly become, as I've heard it described, a city without a soul. And I passionately believe that this church and churches like us around the world are infused with the principles and the ingredients which, when released by their members, can radically and positively transform local streets, estates, suburbs and cities. The ingredients of community uh, built into, that is built into the DNA of the church is in demand, I believe, today. And while Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47 is often used as an example of a prototype or a model church, it also has a lot to say to us about the principles and ingredients that are needed to make a great community cake, as it were. At Northern, we are shaped by the belief that we are not a church here for our own benefit, but that God longs for us to be shapers and transformers of the local community that God has placed us in. So let's have a look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So what are some of these ingredients? Well, let's have a look at it. In Acts, we discover that the believers were committed. They were passionate. They were devoted to something. Do you know of someone who is devoted? How would you describe that someone who is devoted? Can you picture a word or a phrase or a definition that would describe someone that's devoted, a devoted parent, a devoted fan, hopefully not the stalker type of fan, um, but a devoted fan, a devoted collector? What words would you use to describe that person? Just call out, what, what comes to mind when you think of someone that's devoted, what comes to mind for you? Down the back? Never give up. Yep. What's that? Committed? Yep. Passionate? Absolutely. Other thoughts? Focused? Yep. Both, yep. Faith? Yep. Loving? Unselfish? Yep. So there's all these different descriptors that we would use of someone who is devoted. Think of a devoted parent and the attributes and the, the, the way that they would show their, their love to someone. We can be devoted to a wide variety of things. But the ingredients in our community cake, which are consistent, is that devoted people display many of those things that you've talked about today. Devoted people are committed people. We discover that when we're talking about creating community by standing up for the truth, the example of Martin Luther King comes to mind that we looked at earlier. Because King's commitment to not just 
a community, it transformed not just a community, but the whole world is a better place because of Martin Luther King's preparedness, his commitment to stand up for something. He was devoted to that. The next ingredient is that of humility. Do you notice in Acts chapter 2, the believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, when teaching works well, there is humility which is expressed by the student voluntarily placing themselves under the role of the teacher. Arrogant students take the posture of being superior to the teacher and resist the posture of humility. The the first believers took a posture of humility in placing themselves under teaching. When we engage with the community around us, we do well to take on a posture of humility as well. Inviting the community around us to teach us to learn their language, to understand their culture, their values and their struggles. Not that we emulate or copy all of these things, but as a good missionary knows, unless you learn the language and the culture of the local community, you will be an effective in reaching them with God's love. Arrogance dictates that the community need to learn our language and our culture before we can share God's love with them. Whereas we take the attitude that we want to learn their culture, understand their values, so that we can communicate the good news in ways that they understand, that they appreciate. In doing so, we don't devalue ourselves or others. Instead, we approach others as in the community as equals. The value of equality is expressed in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, as the believers fellowship and share together. The ingredient of equality is is an expression of humility that um, all people express to one another. It challenges the miser as well as the taker. In the first church, the believers pressed into the ingredient of equality. That did not mean they they disrespected or disregarded or or had a a lack of regard for those in charge of specific roles. But all being created in the image of God means that no person is valued more than another. In a world that measures value by wealth or by influence, the church is well placed to challenge that and value the ingredient of equality. The believers shared, as we have discovered, that um, that there is a significance in hospitality. The sharing of a meal and the opening of a home to others was important to them. Through the breaking of bread together, we tangibly show others that they have worth. It's important to us and it's important to the community as we network together. Time and time again, in Jesus' ministry, um, his focus was not just about healing an individual, but also about restoring their place back within the fabric of the local community. When the world shuns others, hospitality is a loving way to show the world that shunning others will not happen on our watch. We will press against that. We will pursue a different way of living. The believers shared hospitality 
And it was a spiritual experience that honored God. When Mary and I have people from the community over for a meal, we seek to honor them, but we also show honor to God by giving thanks to God for the meal. We also observe in this passage that the believers were focused on caring for others through prayer. When it comes to prayer, there are two things that I am confident of. Prayer changes things. And if we're not prepared to pray, then we can't really expect things to change. I've also noted that people uh, value and appreciate it when we pray for them. And not just that, I'll go home and I'll pray for you when I'm at home. But to stop then and there and say, hey, this is important to you. Are you okay if I pray for you right now? Of all the times that I've asked someone, would you like me to pray for you right now? I've only been told no thanks once. Many other times people have been surprised and expressed their appreciation for me praying for them to the point of tearing up. Or months later, they've thanked me for praying for their concerns. These are people that would not normally darken the doorstep of a church. Why? Why does it mean so much? It shows that you care and that you are concerned for them and their situation. In a world that often feels as though the cries and the crises go unnoticed, showing care and concern can take a very practical form of support through meals through clothing, through safe accommodation. But prayer takes sharing and caring of a person's cries and crises to another level, recognizing that there is a call on divine involvement in that request, that it builds the faith of the follower of Jesus as well. And when God answers our prayers, we are in awe of our wonderful God who cares more than anyone about the concerns of people. Now, it's important to note that prayer does not abdicate our responsibility to do what we can to help others in our community. That's why generosity is such an important part of creating a healthy community. When we share our resources, we show humility, we show equality, we demonstrate it through hospitality, and we also can be the answer to someone's prayer. Generosity is shown by our actions, the giving of money, the giving of time, a generosity of spirit, the giving of encouragement, the giving of knowledge, not the, I'm going to teach you a lesson sort of version of knowledge, but responding to an invitation to help resource people with information that can be transformative. In our faith community, We model to the world around us generosity and can lead in a way that is helping others in times of need. When our governments are mean-spirited, we as a faith community should voice our concerns and show an alternative way of responding to the needs around us, to respond to the cries and the crises with love and generosity. These ingredients, these principles that we've been talking about today and over the last six weeks, which can go into making a great community, can be replicated again and again. Not just in the things that we do as a church, but in the things that we live out as families from our homes. You see, if it relies on 
us coming together and only during our times as a church do we display these things, then it can restrict and distance ourselves from opportunities to create a great community. But when we come together, when we own it together, hopefully we will also then go home and continue to live it out. We model it, we value it, we teach it, and we should encourage others to live it out as well. It would be such a shame if the only time that people experience hospitality by us as a church, and us as a church is not the building, us as a church are the people in the building, if the only time we ever experienced or expressed hospitality was at our second Sunday lunches, we can do better than that. We should do better than that. But when it comes to incorporating these ingredients together into our community cake, it is something that I believe is attractive to others. It's not about being showy or grandstanding, like saying, how good are we? Because that's not expressing humility. But when we are committed to a lifestyle of humility, valuing others as equal, extending hospitality, demonstrating care and concern with a spirit of generosity. How can that be anything but attractive to the community? There is no law against such things. In fact, these things are worthy of joyful celebration. When we live out these ingredients as a part of our life, I believe that the community around us will be transformed and changed, and so will we. That's why we need to be prepared to adapt and continue to respond to the situations around us in our community. In Acts chapter 6 verses 1 to 7, which Paul read earlier, we discovered that the faith community was growing and transforming. And change can bring pain and grumbling. And we should not be surprised at this, nor should we sweep growing pains under the carpet, dismissing people that they just want to get their own way. But we need to be prepared to adapt and change our structure to continue to support God's values that are expressed through us as a faith community. Structure should never dictate what we value. But we need to continue to be open to change and adapt to our situation and circumstances because of our desire to follow Jesus into the community which he loves. You know, I believe, I firmly believe that we at Northern have an amazing future ahead of us in this Darabin Cooper area. And I believe also beyond. I believe that we need to continually value these ingredients as the creating of and the developing of community is one of the three values that we at Northern hold dear to us, along with deepening spirituality and demonstrating compassion. But when we do create a community cake that is attractive and when we're willing to share it to others with others, it will become a beautiful way to show the love of Jesus to those around us that will benefit all the community. So as we wrap up our Creating Community series today, I wonder what God's been saying to you today or perhaps throughout this whole series as we've been reflecting on what it means to be 
and create a sense of community, both here, but also engage well in the community around us. Well, we've got an opportunity to respond. And on the screen, you can see a few different thought provokers or prayer prompters, as you might regard them. Let me ask you this, and you might want to just respond and pull up those response cards and prayerfully um, reflect on what God might be saying to you today. Are you sitting on the edge of northern community? And is Jesus inviting you to commit more to this community? How might you prayerfully respond to that? In what ways could we at Northern continue to grow as a faith community? And how might you help in this? In what ways could we at Northern be used by Jesus to transform our local community for the better? What is God saying to you about this, about our series, about creating community? We've got an opportunity to respond. As the music's played, I encourage you to to take a few minutes to prayerfully respond to the things that God's saying to you today. And once again, as I mentioned earlier, those response cards will be collected, if you're happy to hand them in, um, with the uh, offering. And also, if you've got any of those you asked for it slips, then can we also encourage you to make sure you put your name on it? Because if there's uh, some follow-up that we want to ask you about the... the, um, message topic that you're suggesting, we'd love to be able to check in with you about that. So let's have some music played as we respond to God now.